0: Welcome to the Art Studio. I am your host, Dan Burke. I hope all of you are having a great day in your art studio, and I hope the art is coming out well. Well, I promised you a show about art, and we're going to have one, but I have some random thoughts to go over first. Never record podcasts while you're super sick, high fever, in and out of the hospital, drugged out of your mind and near death. (laughs) Something about being near death really straightens your stuff out, doesn't it? Everything that isn't important falls away, and what's important comes right to the top. So maybe in some way, making those shows while I was in that very condition led to, obviously, a very honest portrayal of what I was thinking and feeling at the time. I don't disavow anything I said or did. I'm just sort of like, hmm, maybe you should, you know, be totally lucid before (laughs) and not, you know, sick unto death before you come forward and start recording podcasts. But I did it. They're out there. And, uh, you know, uh, I can live with it, I suppose. Anyway, I thought I would mention that for any of those out there that are considering entering the public eye. Uh, I remember one time... (laughs) I got drugged up at the dentist and I came home and I made a video and I didn't post it, thank God. And then my brother saw the video and he goes, it looks like you're you're drugged out of your mind. <laughs> and I was, I had an oral surgery that day and was asleep for like six hours. <laughs> so I come home all bagged out of my mind and begin to, you know, orate and make videos. Absolutely hilarious stuff. Anyway, some advice to think about. Years ago, I fell into listening to Jersey Drozd and Mark Rudolph talk on art and story. What a fun show that was. And one of the things that used to really annoy me about Jersey was he would constantly complain that he had no time to make art, get his stuff done. It was one of the big themes of his show and his life. I have no time. Meanwhile, Mark Rudolph, guy with a voice like golden butter, he was always knocking stuff out, always drawing, always creating. Never seems to be a problem for Mark Rudolph to get things done, which I very much admire him for. He is a very productive artist. Anyway, so I wrote Jersey a letter at some point. said, hey, you know, stop complaining about having no time. Every person on earth has no time. Every person has children and jobs and kids and commitments. So you have plenty of time to make art if you want to. All you have to do is want to. Well, I have to say, I couldn't be more excited, proud, and happy for Jersey Drozd. He has, over the last couple years, completely turned whatever he had to turn around around, and he has been incredibly productive and a huge output of art and stories. I really have to congratulate him. He's a very, very good artist, much better artist than myself. In fact, I have one of his pictures hanging on my wall here in my art studio of a guy in a motorcycle, hand-drawn and penciled by him. It's gorgeous. I bought it at a charity auction off of eBay. He really is an exceptional artist. And I guess about two, three years ago, he produced this robot thing, and It was colored backwards (laughs) the way you would actually want to color something. Atmospheric perspective, whatever you want to call it. It wasn't there. It's as if he didn't understand the rules yet. Or maybe he was rushing on that job. Who the hell knows? Doesn't matter. But now, flash forward three years later, and he has become a truly excellent colorist. So now married with his amazing Art and technical skill; he has now learned to color on a completely different level, and I've watched him do it step by step. I watched him talk about it and go, "You know, I'm really interested in learning how to do color differently, more painterly effect effect, or maybe something like that." And he has really worked his butt off to turn himself into a wonderful colorist. Now, this show isn't about him, <laughs> about his art or anything else. But I'm using him as an example of two things. And that's the topic of tonight's show, which is reflective color. But the first thing I'd like to say is you know, everybody's busy, everybody's bogged down. And this guy has been able to reshape his art style, his coloring style. His time management and put himself into a place where the rest of his life he's going to producing high quality fantastic comics forever that guy will be like Will Eisner he'll go out on the table with the brush in his hand I really mean that sincerely and I admire that because he had to make a massive shift in his life to change himself from the kind of person who made excuses Blamed situations, blamed other things for his situation. I can't get it done. It can't happen for me. And now he's the other guy. He's the other guy who gets things done all the time. He's a powerhouse of production. It's really amazing. So anyway, I wrote him that letter about, I wrote him a letter. said, hey, you know, you got to get on your coloring here. I never hear back from him. I know for a fact pretty much that he pretty much thinks I'm a huge jerk. I get that because I write him letters like, Hey, stop making excuses. But, uh, I have to say, don't mind that because that may just be the case. But anyway, I wrote him a letter and said, you know what? This, this thing you're doing with color is is way off. I even critiqued him, And of course we all know people hate critique who doesn't, who doesn't, but I really don't care. (laughs) I don't care if people critique me. I don't care if I critique them. I think it's a valuable tool to be coached. Anyway, so I said to him, you're just not coloring things right. It's sort of backwards, sort of counterintuitive. Well, like I said, within 36 months, he has transformed himself into a superb colorist, which is a completely different skill than layout and design, storytelling, technical ability, objects, people, places, emotion. I mean, of all the thousand things that go into him making comic books, color is one that many people don't master just do sort of to fill in the color and so on but he has really done it that SOB in 36 months has transformed himself from a D level colorist to an A level colorist and I can't tell you how much I admire him for doing that because that takes due diligence my friends you got a Buckle down and you got to (laughs) work. Like RuPaul says, you got to work. There's no getting away from it. You've got to get in there in the trenches and you've got to study color and theory and ideas. And he has even gone further with this and that's tonight's topic is reflective color. When you look at people's photographs or paintings or you look at how movie shots are set up, you're going to see a lot of reflected light. And that light lends emotion and dynamic feeling to imagery. And especially in comic books, you know, you can do so much with color. It's it's amazing. He is producing a strip now, Mr. Jersey Drozd, that is called Boulder and Fleet. And he's been producing it for quite a while. And what's absolutely stunning about this strip is the coloring. And that he has a polar bear, something who is one of the main characters in this book, and the polar bear is white. But all through the book, through all the different adventures, through all the different moments, through all the different things that happen, this bear is constantly bathed in reflected light. So if it's a fire, an explosion, or the moon, or the the sky, he's reflecting these beautiful colors off this white bear. The, bar, the bear is hardly ever portrayed as white. He's always off-white or something, but with this beautifully reflected color. The work, has it looks almost pastel-like at this point, sort of like Fantasia from Disneyland, or uh, from the Disney you know, studio movie. It's just beautiful how he bathes this bear, this white object, in colored light over and over again, and he does it, and it defines mass and form and mood. So I cannot recommend highly enough going over, looking at Boulder and Fleet, checking out that comic, maybe even throwing some money at him at Patreon, you know, for doing such a great job. I know I've never said anything like this before or since, (laughs) probably, but I have to say, I totally admire him. You know, once or twice in my life, I've met people who didn't have much natural skill or talent. And you can tell it's written all over them. And then you run into them a couple years later. And they go, boy, I've been working so hard on this particular thing that I was no long, not good at. And they've reinvented themselves, changed themselves. I've seen people lose 350 pounds and change him to a completely different person at 110 pounds. I've seen that. It's life-changing to lose 350 pounds. Anyway, that's what he did here with the equivalent of art. He, he did this, and Boulder and Fleet is a masterclass on reflected light on a white object. I'm not saying you know everything's perfect about it or, or anything like that, but it's very, very good. And for those that aspire to color, and those who aspire to make comics, and those who aspire to keep bringing their game to the next level, and if you're really interested in learning to color, I would 100% recommend typing in boulderandfleet.com into your web browser and going over and looking at this work. Even for ten, twenty minutes, just check it out. I, my jaw dropped the first time I <laughs> went looked at it. I was like, "This can't be the same guy. He must have, you know, hired some kind of colorist or something. He, he must have farmed this out to one of those geniuses I'm friends with on Facebook who color like like a, like a god." But no, he's the one doing the coloring, and the polar bear. The, I guess that's the boulder character. Is so brilliantly realized with these colors it's it's just fantastic I have to say I have been chasing reflected light since I began painting in in the real world I really didn't understand it correctly even though I lit photographs I've lit you know salad dressing catalogs I've lit model shoots I've lit clothing you know shoots and you know all these things take a whole different expertise in lighting So somehow, though, inside computers and things like that, I really wasn't getting the idea of how reflected color and light really works on things. And I think one of the reasons that handicapped me is I worked in black and white for most of my life drawing because making color comics was not even an option until they invented like Photoshop and computers and stuff. The idea of coloring didn't enter my mind. But in the last couple years, as I've begun to actually paint paint, things in life, you know, a pot, a pan, a person, a mountain, everything, it turns out, is reflected light. If there's a green tree next to a building, those two colors affect each other. They really do. The tree is just not green and the building is just not the building or the, the color of the building. It's reflected. It's, it's really powerful and amazing. So I never have developed into a good painter, in my opinion. I'm still painting, you know, in the real world but by painting in the real world it made my computer coloring much much better and I think the biggest lesson I learned from painting in the real world and then transferring it back to the computer is this idea of reflected light it really gives a cool look to things like like nothing else does for three or four years I spent a lot of time photographing things, and right in the middle of the photography adventure, I was photographing like 14 hours a day, I went out and bought all these different kinds of lights, colored lights, diffusers, tracks, I mean all kinds of stuff, and I did experiments on how one kind of light would affect the photographs, or this kind of that way, and I had like blue lights that would you know trim the side of things, so things would have this light blue reflection on them and everything. And it's funny how I did all that in photography, but it never quite actually transferred over to my art till much, much later, which is now. Now, whenever I approach coloring something, I don't always use the technique of reflected light, but I'm always thinking about it. And I would say almost everything from skin to lips to eyeballs to hair has some kind of glean of reflected light. So a blonde person, so to speak, out in the sun will look totally different than they look perhaps under a purple light or a red light. or You know what I'm talking about. Even fluorescence can change things dramatically. So I think for all of us who are artists and all of you are interested in color, color theory, handling color, I think thinking about reflected light from the very beginning of of Your coloring job is really important It's not just a matter, you know of coloring something red Because if it's sitting next to something black it looks different if it's sitting next to something white It looks different and so on so I'm, I'm not going to beat this point into the ground But I really think that by mentally thinking about reflecting light On objects as you color them, is the key to coloring things well, and bringing it to that next level. You know, we first learned to color and shade, sort of a sort of do maybe that shading thing. You know, that that the way Hi-Fi Color Book teaches things like that. Maybe what we would call 1990s coloring or 1980s coloring, kind of. A more simple cell shading approach but there's another approach that's more painterly I'm not talking blurry I'm talking more painterly It can be very precise but it uses this technique I'm talking about so that's my art sort of idea tonight to discuss with you all is the idea of reflected light one way to learn about it would be maybe to photograph an object under different conditions. A banana, a cup, a pair of glasses, a white t-shirt. And then open that photograph up in Photoshop and using the info bar, look at what colors come up, what colors are formulated from that reflection. In other words, a banana may appear yellow, but actually have a lot of green or orange or other colors in it, just like skin. You think skin is sort of this one color, but it's not. Skin color is is like this amazing mosaic <laughs> of a thousand different browns, tans, pinks, and whites. It really is. Look at your fingernails. Pick up your hand for a second and look at your fingernails. Do you see the reflected light on your fingernails? And do you see the shadow? of of your fingers on your hand. My shadow right now is purple, almost blue, but more purple than blue. So if I was to paint my hand right now, I would be using a lot of bluish purple paint to paint the underside of my hand. Now what's reflecting back under my hand is a blue salt shaker that's sitting on my desk. And it's actually reflecting blue up into my hand and also some light is reflecting from above my art studio lights and from my computer monitor but it's all coming together to form this purple now when you first look at an object you're not going to see this purple you're just going to see like skin tone and a shadow but again one of the easiest ways to understand this figure it out and wrap your head around it in just a few minutes is to open up one of these a photograph of something in photoshop and look at the reflected light Look at the real color that Photoshop says it is. You know, sometimes I see the color blue, and I go and I look at the info bar, and the color is really a shade of red or dark green or something else. More often, it's more brownish red than anything, but I'm seeing blues. And that could be, I'm not colorblind, but it could be my blue sort of filter that many people have in their eyesight. I find it, I have it, I think. Anyway, that's the quickest way to get the handle around what I'm teaching you and talking about tonight. No matter what it is, a blue cup, a black ball, a bowling ball that's black, there's going to be more colors in that bowling ball than just black. And it might be hard at first for your eyeball to figure that out. So by using Photoshop, though, in the info bar, you can make yourself a color palette of maybe 16 colors that are all inside that bowling ball. And then you can make a blank ball and then color it one of the funnest things i ever draw and color are soap bubbles for years i've been drawing and coloring soap bubbles and i have like a thousand different techniques on soap bubbles at this point some of them are like rainbows and some of them are blue and see-through some of them are white and shiny you know really reflecting light so i have probably done thousands and thousands of soap bubbles and I have just a million ways to do them and I just love making them. And soap bubbles are literally nothing but reflected light. (laughs) That's all they are. (laughs) They are light bouncing off that film of soap and water as it floats in the air. So one of the coolest things to do and paint and create are soap bubbles. (laughs) I can absolutely recommend that. It's really fun to draw them <laughs> and it's nothing but an exercise in light and color it's kind of like drawing through uh, you know painting a clear crystal glass and then reflecting light back and front over on the side of that crystal glass you will see colors inside that crystal glass and it'll blow your mind and they will not be white or clear <laughs> they will be all all kinds of colors so that's tonight's chat. Just want to sit down, let you know what's you know what I'm thinking about. I promised an art lesson that had some substance that could be of some helpful help to you, and I hope this has been it. Head over to boulderinfleet.com. Check out the reflected color on that polar bear. It's brilliant. Panel after panel, page after page. This guy produces a masterclass in reflected color on a white polar bear honest to God, it's it's an, a brilliant reference actually. So hats off to Jersey Drozd for mastering color and bringing himself to a whole nother level. I am really, really impressed. I really am. I got a letter not long ago asking my opinion about where I think Jack Kirby would be if he was 45 years old today. I think Jack Kirby would be at the top of the comic book industry he was able to synthesize everything around him including you know other people's sort of art techniques and take that and make it his own and make you know a step forward with art so I think if we had a modern Jack Kirby alive with us right now he would be at the top of the comic industry He would have internalized what everybody else is doing, from Alex Ross to you name it. And we would have a 45-year-old, phenomenal, high-producing, 5- to 10-page-a-day artist. You know, you throw a digital pen in Jack Kirby's hand. I think I've told you guys this before. Working digitally has speeded me up 300%. What I could usually do in a week, I can now do in half a day, thanks to digital. I can color a whole page in an hour and five minutes. I've colored (laughs) faster than that when I got paid to. And so the computer has an exponential ability to help you do the work of 10 people, literally. Just think about typesetting. Anyway, I think Jack Kirby would not only be Awesome, and still be the Jack Kirby, but he would be like cranking out five to ten pages a day, effortlessly. He would just sit down in front of a tablet and a computer, and he would go to work like a ninja. Anyway, I truly, truly believe that, and that's my response to what if you think Jack Kirby was forty-five year olds, forty-five years, forty-five years old today, and creating. I think he would be Jack Kirby, and he would be at the top. I really believe that. On another subject, Manga Studio. Occasionally I get inquiries about tools, techniques, and things. When I first learned computers, I sat down and read the Illustrator manual cover to cover, and then went through Illustrator also went through Macromedia Freehand because the job I had required I work in that all day long. So I learned those programs cold, but it took a long time. I'd say six months just to get the basics of of those programs, you know, to be able to do it. And then I said, you know, there's this other program, Photoshop. I think I'm going to learn that. Photoshop took me 14 months to get through the manuals and to learn how to use it. Now, even today, Photoshop has gone so far with the 3D and the other things that I use that Photoshop is, is a totally different animal than it was just five years ago. It's, it's even bigger now. I'm reading the new manual, if you can believe it. And it's just amazing. But Anyway, learning Photoshop, learning Illustrator, learning freehand became a metaphor for all software for me. And so whenever I sit down to a new piece of software, no matter how weird and odd it is, and many of them are, believe me, they take some time, it sort of clicks really, really fast for me. I can usually learn a piece of software in just a few days to the point that I can use it competently. That's not a boast, it's just a fact. My brain absorbs it, remembers it, finds it easy Think about all the pallets, all the instructions. You know, if you know where all the instructions and all the pallets are, well, you can start popping them open and doing stuff. And many times we don't even know things exist in these softwares. Manga Studio, I highly recommend to everybody, even if you get the Lite EX version, doesn't matter. And you can learn it very, very fast. I've been working in Manga Studio for, I don't know, four years now, maybe, something like that. But when my daughter was 10, I taught her Manga Studio, and she is better at it than me now. Now, she only dabbles in Manga Studio. She's probably spent 30 hours in that program, but she knows everything. I mean, one day she was showing me all these different things, and I'm like, man, I didn't even know that was in there. So I only know what I would call the basics of Manga Studio, but the basics of Manga Studio can be learned by anyone in one afternoon one day of effort and I'm telling you that you can be adept at manga studio now it's not going to be perfect you got to give yourself time you'll get better but there's nothing hard about that program it's in fact incredibly easily intuitive you import your drawing you set it up on a layer you put another layer on top of it you go and get your brush or your pen You set the sensitivity for the tablet. You set the stroke, the beginning and ending stroke of your pen and your brush. And you start inking in Manga Studio. Bam! Just like that. I was drawing in Manga Studio when I first got the program. Within three hours, I was producing work with it. And I never looked back. Never. So... For those of you that are sitting on the fence about Manga Studio, or you're afraid to try new things, or you're thinking, man, I don't want to drop, you know, $15 on the every other month special of Manga Studio, I'll never learn it. I'm telling you with a completely secure mind that if a 10-year-old can learn Manga Studio with less than 30 minutes of instruction, and that's the fact, so can you. Just do what I told you to do import your drawing in, put on a layer, make another layer above it, and start inking. The program is incredibly intuitive, and you can correct your stroke to smooth out your lines. You can draw like a you know, Hanna-Barbera artist or a Walt Disney artist, it'll st- change your stroke. So you can go and hit set that correction meter like it has in Flash where you can smooth your stroke. So a lot of powerful things in Manga Studio I only know maybe five percent of that program but you can do everything to make comics in that program my daughter is a wizard at this thing and she just dabbles it's just like everything else she does just one of the things that she does but she's like oh, well, manga studio was the easiest thing I ever opened that's what she said <laughs> so I want to encourage all of you If you haven't tried manga studio if you're on the fence about it if you're afraid if you've heard other people struggle learning it That struggle is not real. That's just some kind of imaginary thing. They have going on in their mind manga studio is an incredibly easy tool to learn and Well, well worth it just talking to a guy last night who said man I can't wait to get back in there because he doesn't have a computer right now. He says I can't finish like I can finish, you know, on a computer with a tablet. And that's exactly right. Manga Studio can bring your work to a whole new level really, really fast. Goes on sale like every two months. Watch Amazon. You can pick it up for almost nothing sometimes. I mean, like like 15 bucks. And you can have this incredibly powerful software that completely allows you to do everything in comics. Coloring, lettering, panels, perspective. I mean, the thing is a monster. I don't use it for all that stuff. I do perspective in my head, by my hands. I like drawing objects and cars, you know, just drawing them. So I have all kinds of weird stuff that I do that is probably not as productive as I could be. But I really have to say that program allowed me to shave Thousands and thousands and thou- thousands of hours off the production of books and pages. It really has. It's an amazing tool. And if you're serious about drawing, serious about comics, save up the $15 and go get yourself a copy of Manga Studio and you will thank me. Anyway, have a great time in your art studio. Keep doing your thing. Create, carry on. And let nothing stop you from being who you want to be and what you want to do. Have a great day. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky